Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Good morning, Harvest. just want to thank Ed for that beautiful prayer. Um, it's just a great reminder that, that really what God calls us to is is really um, to himself. And as he, calls him, as he calls us to himself, he is calling us out to share what he has given us. Um, anyways, my, my name is Stan, if, if you're new to Harvest. Um, I am a pastor here on staff. And uh, this morning, I um, just wanted to share with you guys uh, from Psalm 84. Uh, Psalm 84, so if you have that on your phones or a Bible, um, you can turn there with me. So I'll, I'll read Psalm 84 for us, and then uh, lift up a quick prayer for our time, and then we'll, we'll get started. So Psalm 84. Um, oops, turn this guy on. There we go. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the course of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold for those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let me pray. Father, I just want to lift up this time to you. May you speak to us through your words, through this poem, through this psalm. And may we um, just, again, enter into your presence. God, may we just desire and long and just have the resolve to enter into your presence. Uh, We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So this morning, I'd like to start us off with with a question. you know, have you ever felt truly at home? Just truly at home. You know, and I, I think for a lot of us, when we think of home, we think of a place where we feel safe, where we feel like we can belong, a place where we can truly be ourselves. Um, for some of us, maybe it's our, our bedroom or a room in a house, right, where we set, set up everything that we like it just the way it is, uh, like our desks or our laptop or our computers, maybe a TV. Or maybe it's even our whole house, right, where everything we've done, we've renovated it, we've got the, you know, hardwood floors in, we have everything just the way we like it, and it's our place, it's our sanctuary that we go to. And maybe even for some of us in this virtual age, maybe it's even some place online. Um, you know, some of us may log in and feel, okay, this is the trace I, place I truly uh, belong. And to help us think about this feeling of home, um, there was this actually Super Bowl commercial 
that I found just very helpful. Um, <laughs> you know, some of us may have already thought about this, but um, it's, it's a Super Bowl co- commercial uh, and that, um, from Jason Momoa. Um, so I'm going to play that for us, and then you know, I'll, you'll see why it's uh, pretty relevant. Oops. Thank you. What does home mean to me? It's my sanctuary. It's the one place oh, I can let my guard down. It's where I can just kick back and be totally comfortable in my own skin. You know what I'm saying? Rocket Mortgage understands that home is where I can be myself. That feels pretty darn good. Oh. Home is where you feel the most comfortable, and Rocket Mortgage helps you feel comfortable financing that home with a personalized and convenient experience centered around you. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. You got this. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Okay, all right. Good job. All right. <laughs> um, anyways, I uh, yeah, this I feel like this uh, commercial really just um, you know just speaks to that um, kind of feeling of home. Um, I also just really connect with this skinny version of <laughs> Jason Moa. So you know, especially that last part, trying to lift that weight weight up. But anyways, um, so just uh, as we think about this this feeling of home, um, a lot of us do sometimes have that place, right? But for some of us, we don't. And, you know, or some of us, even though we do, sometimes we end up with this feeling of dissatisfaction with home. It never completely satisfies. Maybe at some point we really liked, you know, the kitchen that we did, but then after a while we may have wanted a little bit of change here and there, and we just don't feel that true sense of home. And so I would propose that really what, what we're feeling is that, not that anything here on earth can really give us that feeling of home, that true sense of belonging. And really what it's pointing to is really God's presence, that God's presence is our home. And it's this feeling of desiring, of longing for God's presence, that this is what this psalm is really about. That this you know, psalm is a psalm of pilgrimage, a poem that talks about this psalmist who is every year, you know, in ancient Israel, they would go on this pilgrimage back to Jerusalem, back to the temple. And this psalm is really describing this journey of going back, of pilgrimage back to God's temple. And to really give us a sense of why that's so important is that this temple in Jerusalem was the main place, the kind of um, way of the building that identifies, that the Israelites identified with as a nation. Um, Here's a picture of the temple. Oops, it's uh, right here. And this temple, as you can see, is just inlaid with gold. It's big story, like three, four stories tall, five stories tall. And it's just built on this hill. And this hill is like as you walk to Jerusalem, this is the first thing that you see. And as you enter into the city, you see this, this, this temple on this hill. And this is the grandeur of God's presence. And it really is identifying who Israel, as Israelites, who they are as a nation. And so, you know, for some of us, you know, this, the, there's a, um, just us, you know, for Chicagoans, we may feel like, um, 
that uh, you know, Willis Tower, right? The Sears Tower is a way that we identify uh, ourselves, you know, as Chicagoans, right? Um, so, you know, I, I um, just to take a pause, I, you know, I, I feel that as I come up here and as I speak, um, I just don't want to go through what I have written. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very strange kind of being up here and, and having all this prepared and then kind of really wanting to share this with you guys. But uh, for some reason, just feeling a sense that God is asking me to pause, um, even though maybe some of you may feel uncomfortable uh, with this. I, I also feel a little bit uncomfortable, but, but really just to, to pause, um, listen for his voice. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to do that at this time before just trying to get through what I have prepared for you guys. But really, um, kind of going back to uh, this is just really wanting to show that this temple really represented God's presence. And, um, and for the Israelites, that for them, this was really their identity. This is what they longed for. This is where they, the hot spot of God's presence for their nation. And they traveled every year to go to that place. And so for us, this psalm is really a journey, a journey back to God's presence, a journey uh, capturing the emotions of the psalmist to go back and enter into God's presence. And so really there are um, four steps that this psalmist is taking us through, four steps. So the first step is a longing for God's presence, a longing for God's presence. And here, let me read again verses 1 through 4. It reads, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. And I highlighted here, uh, the words that really express that sense of longing. You know, he says his soul yearns, even faints. His heart and his flesh cry out. Right, there's this deep desire that the psalmist has that he wants to go back into God's presence. And I don't know if, if for all of us, but, you know, that level of intensity, I, I, don't, I don't have that same level of intensity all the time, right? I still, you know, sometimes feel that sense of longing, Right, but but just that how he talks about his heart and his flesh cry out. I feel like a lot of us don't necessarily connect that way. But I do think that a lot of us we do have this sense that yes, something sometimes is missing in our life. Sometimes we feel that God's presence is not near, even when we come this morning. And even as I share with you this morning, sometimes I feel the sense that a lot of us we come here to service. And we, you know, go through the motions, but we really don't necessarily feel God's presence in this place. And so I, I want to ask you, do you guys long for God's presence in your life? Right? Do you guys still long for it, even though we don't necessarily always feel it every Sunday here at this place? And I think for some of us, we may be saying yes, but there's something stopping us. There's something that is causing us to as a barrier to enter into God's presence. 
And I, maybe you feel so far from God right now that you just have this sense of shame, this sense of, I can't go back. Right? And I don't want to minimize that sense of shame. It's very powerful. Right? There's this PhD researcher, her name is Benet Brown, and she has this TED Talk called The Power of Vulnerability. You know, it's, it's a really good TED Talk, and I would just, you know, you know, if you guys have the time to listen to it. But she has this really helpful way of dis- defining shame. She says this. She says, shame is the most powerful master emotion. It's the fear that we're not good enough. That fear that we're not good enough. And this is why I think you know, a lot of us, when we desire, when we long to go back into God's presence, shame is always kind of right there at the door. That we, we feel that we're not good enough to enter into God's presence. And I want to say this morning that that's only a half-truth. That really, yes, in some ways we are sinners. Yes, we are not good enough. But the other half of that truth is that God still wants to be with us. That he still wants us, yet even when we were sinners. And anytime I feel this sense of shame, you know, even, you know, this morning, like a sense of shame, maybe because, you know, I had to pause and, you know, as I'm preaching to you guys, I remember this verse. I remember that in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and pure us purify us from all unrighteousness. It's not so much about our weaknesses, our sin, our shame, but it's about how God is faithful and just if we turn to him, if we confess to him. And that's the amazing truth, right? That God wants to be with us, even yet in our sin. So it doesn't matter what we've done or how far we've gone. There is always a way back to him, right? And so I wanted to give us that sense of hope, right? Even as we long to go back into his presence, that we don't have to let shame stop us. So that's the first step of the journey. The second step is a resolve for God's presence, a resolve for God's presence. And so we see here in verses 5 through 7, it talks about how the psalmist gives praise about how these pilgrims, they have the strength to go on the pilgrimage. He paints this picture about how they're provided water for their journey, right? They go from pool to pool, strength to strength. And the reason why this is important is because uh, for, in Israel, it was an arid, you know, dry country, right? Very dry. And here is a picture I, I shamelessly stole uh, from Pastor Dave's previous sermon. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really good with the PowerPoints. Um, but here you can see that this is just a really dry climate, right? And, and it's just this wilderness that, and you just think about this, that people traveled weeks to get from where they lived to Jerusalem, to the temple. And I think here in Chicago, it's, it's hard for us to understand that, right? Because, you know, we have rain, we have uh, Lake Michigan where we get a lot of our drinking water. But for the pilgrimage, these pilgrims had to go, you know, I had to make sure that they had enough water for the journey. And this is why it describes the sense of, you know, as they pass through this valley of Baca, a place of springs, the autumn rains also cover it with pools. That this image of going from pool to pool, as God providing the strength, the water, to go on this journey back into God's presence, back to his temple. 
And I think these are insightful pictures about the resolve that's needed for the journey. That the strength, this resolve that's needed to this journey back to the temple, back to God's presence. So as we think about this resolve, I just wanted to bring up, you know, how many here had made New Year's resolutions? New Year's resolutions, just a show of hands. How many here have made New Year's resolutions? A few of us? All right. You know, I, you know, it was interesting as I looked on Google, and I don't know how accurate this is, you know, given that the Internet, but, you know, research has shown that about 25% of people give up on their new resolutions just after the first week. Wow, that's a lot, 25%. And while fewer than 10% of people will maintain their goal till the end of this year. Right, so it's just an interesting thinking about the resolve that people have. And, uh, and also, you know, just to let you guys know, full transparency, I resolved, I had a resolution to do 100 sit-ups three times a week. And, uh, yeah, I was one of that 25%. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do it. Uh, although I did try to do it yesterday. Uh, I only, only got to 40, 40 sit-ups. <laughs> Anyways, but while, you know, yes, you know, there, we all have this resolve, right, that we, we want to do things. And I think as Christians... Um, also, a lot of times when we resolve to, to change, to go back to God's presence, we think in terms of resolving to like, read our Bibles more or praying more. You know, there was a, a friend that used to come here to harvest. He used to always say, uh, you know, it's not about Christianing harder, right? Sometimes we think in those terms that we have to Christian harder. But really, I think it's more than just that. And while those things are good, you know, what God is really asking us is a resolve to be still, and know that he is God. And I think that thought, that truth of being still before God, um, really is the beginning of the journey back into God's presence. Uh, and the reason why I say this is because a lot of times we are just rushed and hurried in our lives. Uh, there's this quote by John Ortberg uh, from his book, The Life You've Always Wanted, Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. And he describes this, this sense of hurry, this habit of hurry. He says this, he says, Again and again, as you pursue spiritual life, we must do battle with hurry. For many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We suffer from what has come to be known as hurry sickness. One of the greatest illusions of our day is that hurrying will buy us more time. Hurrying is not just a disordered schedule. Hurrying is a disordered heart. If we have hurry sickness, we are haunted by the fear that there are just not enough hours in the day to do what needs to be done. We will read faster, we'll talk faster, and when listening, nod faster and to encourage the talker to accelerate. We find ourselves chafing whenever we have to wait. At a stoplight, if there are two lanes and each one contains one car, we find ourselves guessing, based on the year, make and model of each car, which one will, uh, which one will pull away the fastest. And, you know, this really just spoke to me, and I don't know if it's speaking to you, but that we live this, this life of hurry, that we have this hurry sickness. And I think what really spoke to me the most was just this, we, this, this part of the quote, we are haunted by the fear that there are just not enough hours in the day to do what needs to be done. And it's, it's so interesting because, you know, um, as some of you know, I, I used to work uh, for Walgreens. I worked there for 13 years. And then I, you know, recently became uh, this associate pastor here at Harvest. And, you know, for some reason I thought that, okay, with corporate life and, and trying to balance church and everything else, it's just so busy, that I would have 
you know, more time to, to focus on, on God and on reading and, and really, you know, helping uh, this church out. And it's so strange, but uh, I can say that I feel more rushed, more hurried now than I did uh, back before. And that's nothing to say about, you know, the staff or Pastor Dave. I know that, that that's what he's thinking right now. I, I'm not, not saying that. Um, but, but what I am saying is that it's, it's so easy to get into this sense of, of being rushed all the time, of being hurried. And I think when I, when I was reading the psalm, just this conviction that God has given me was that we need to be resolved to be still before God, to really quiet our hearts before him. Um, and that's what's really needed, more than just reading our Bibles or praying more. Because, what, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times when we start reading our Bibles, and especially when everything is going on and everything else, we're just trying to get through it, right? We're just trying to get through reading and praying and stuff like that without really spending that time with God. And so I, what I just want to encourage us with is just being intentional, being intentional with our time with God, that we sit still before him, waiting for his presence, waiting for him to come, and really having that, um, practicing that discipline of putting aside our phones, our to-do tasks, all these things, and just being before him, being present before him. So that was the second step, resolve for God's presence. The next step is praying in God's presence, praying in God's presence. And we see here in verses 8 through 9, the psalmist calls out to God in prayer. He says, Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. And what's interesting is at the end of verse 7, you know, they're talking about him entering in and, and seeing Zion, right? And Zion is just another word for the city of Jerusalem. And then the first thing that the psalmist thinks of next is prayer. And that's natural, right? As we enter in, as we see and go into God's presence, uh, the next step is really this desire to pray. And I think what's interesting, though, is not just that this desire to pray, but what he prays about here, right? The content of his prayer. And he says here in verse 9, Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. I think what's interesting is that what he's really praying for, this shield, this favor of his anointed one, really is the king of Israel, right? This king, they, uh, you know, the Israelites as a nation, right, had, they looked at their king as a shield, the protector of their whole country, right? That he was anointed by God to lead the country as their king, right? And that is the content of this prayer, that he's, he's not just thinking about, you know, the most critical thing in his life, right? Just think about it. Like, if you were on a pilgrimage for three weeks to get to this place, and enter into God's presence, would your first prayer be about the leader of our nation? You know, and I, I think for myself, you know, it would be about the most important thing in my life, right? What's going on with me right now, rather than thinking outward. And that's the point. It's not that we should be praying for our leaders or anything like that, but it's more about where is our heart directed? Where is the orientation of our hearts? You know, and as we pray, are we always just praying about what's going on with me rather than thinking about what's going on around us. And I was, as I was thinking about this, a way to really illustrate this, I found this picture. You know, and, you know, it's, it's very interesting as you look at this picture. I mean, what, what do you see, right? I think what, what I see is really a group of people who want to be together, 
but they're all on their phones. And it's such an interesting dynamic, you know, and you know, maybe for some of us who are a little bit older, we, we don't understand this. But if you look at your kids or in high school or these college kids, like this is, this is for them. This is hanging out. Also, this picture, you could tell, is like there's, everyone's very pretty and, and handsome, so it's not so realistic. But I think, well, I mean, in terms of that. But, but the realism really is in, the, in how all these guys are really hanging out, but they're so focused on their phones. And the point of, of this is not to talk about phones or anything like that, but really a sense of today in our culture, right, everything is really geared toward what's going on with me. Right, you got Facebook and Twitter and all these other social media. It's all about posting on what's going on with me. There's this orientation of our culture that's focused on ourselves, that's focused on what's going on with me. And then I, th- and I feel just the sense of conviction that what really God is calling us, even as we pray, is yes, we should pray for ourselves. We should pray for the things that are going on in our lives. But really, he's asking us to look broader, to look outside of our lives, to look for the lives around us, and pray for those that are just sitting even next to us, even today. You know, and, and I, that might seem like a big charge for us to do that. But really what the Christian life is about is not just a good life, not just about doing the right things, about praying for other people, praying for our leaders, but it's about a transformed life. And really I believe that prayer is one of the means that God uses to transform our lives. That as we begin in faith and, and just try to take that step of faith to pray for others, that God, as we pray for others, would transform us into a people that actually cares for others. Right? And I, I believe as a church, many times we feel like we don't have the sense of connection with each other. And we search for it maybe in our CGs or maybe with the journey groups coming up. But really I believe that a lot of that connection starts with prayer. As we enter into God's presence before him, that we can pray for other people in this church in our lives. And as we learn to pray, that God would transform us into people that cares for others around us. And so that's that third step of praying in God's presence. Now the fourth and last step is trusting that God's presence is better. And as um, this is really seen in the last verses here from verses 10 to 12, and really, you can see here in verses 10 through 12 that there is a series of contrasts, right? We see here that in verse 10, it talks about how one day in God's course is contrasted to a thousand elsewhere. Or also a doorkeeper in God's house, you know, versus dwelling in the tents of the wicked, right? And here also it says, you know, that God is besides favor and honor as a phrase. But he also says, no good thing does God withhold which is an interesting way to phrase that, right? And then finally we see here in verse 12 that God, uh, you know, the psalmist is saying that blessed is one who trusts in you. Now if you put it all together, it really begs the question, can we really trust God? Right? Is one day in God's presence better than a thousand elsewhere? Is it better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked? Does God really not withhold any good thing from us? You know, and I think if we're honest with ourselves, right, there are days where we don't think that God is better, right? That there are days where it's hard to really believe and trust 
that it is one day in God's courts is a better than a thousand elsewhere. Right? We don't believe that it's better to be a doorkeeper in God's house and dwell in the tents of the wicked. We don't believe that God doesn't withhold any good thing from us. There are days or seasons that it's really tough to trust God. But I think he really wants us to wrestle with that question, do we really trust him? You know, do we really trust him? And it's not an easy question to answer, and each of us has to answer that question for ourselves. But for those of us that do trust him, you know, and we know deep down in our bones that we can trust him, we trust him not because of the things that he has given us, right, but because he himself is good and we've tasted his goodness. Now, in order for us to kind of understand for, that for us, like, I think that's for us that haven't tasted his goodness in a while, that haven't really thought about can we really trust him, I was trying to think of a way to just really illustrate this to help us think about these things. Something that is every day that we kind of interact with. And so the best thing I could come up with is with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, you'll see. Hopefully this will, this will connect. But really, um, McDonald's fries, right? So, so the reason why I say this is because what's interesting thing about McDonald's fries is that, you know, one, they taste pretty good. You know, you know I'm not, not one to, I think there are other fries that are pretty, that are somewhat better, like, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A fries. I really love Chick-fil-A fries. But, but the quality of, of McDonald's fries, I think there's a certain taste in that we all love, that we all kind of enjoy. I can't remember anyone here, and maybe you'll talk to me afterwards, but I don't know anyone here that doesn't like McDonald's fries. And the second thing that's amazing about McDonald's fries is that no matter where you go, that these fries always taste the same. Now, that could point to something bad about the fries, but, but the, the amazing thing is, like, I've, I've tasted them in Italy. I've tasted them in Taiwan. I've tasted them all over, you know, this country. And no matter where you go, McDonald's fries always taste the same. Now, what does that say? So I think what's so interesting is about this is that when you go to McDonald's and you get their fries, you trust that the fries are going to taste the same way every time, right? And there's this level of trust not that you have with the fries, but probably you have with McDonald's, that you can go and trust their brand, right? And you trust them because you've tasted their fries and you've tasted their goodness, if you will, right? Multiple times in multiple ways in, in, in many different places. And I think the same thing is true with God. We trust God because we've tasted his goodness and have multiple consistent encounters with his goodness, Right? We can trust that God is good because of the goodness that we've tasted in his presence with him. And even though McDonald's fries are not, you know, as good as God's presence, that God's presence is infinitely greater, I think as we think about this, that if we can trust McDonald's, we can definitely trust God. (laughs) Hopefully that will stick with you for the rest of this week as you pass McDonald's. But, um... But really, ultimately, this is why the psalmist ends this psalm this way, right? That he is ending the psalm with this question of trust. Do we trust God? As we desire to enter back into his presence, as, as some of us may have this longing back into his presence, as we try to resolve to spend, you know, to create space for God in our lives, and as we even pray to him asking 
him to transform our hearts so that we may be able to love others. I think ultimately, out of all of this, it's really about trusting God. Do we trust him? Do we trust that one day in his courts is better than a thousand elsewhere? And so I'd just like to end with this thought. That we're all on a journey. Or we all are on this journey trying to follow after Jesus, trying to really go back into God's presence. And I don't know for some of us here, but maybe for, for some of us, it's been a long time since we've really felt his goodness, since we've really entered into his presence. But I just wanted to give you this encouragement, that, that God is good, that it is worth it to enter into his presence, to keep coming back, desiring, even if, if for whatever reason things are holding us back, the circumstance of our life is holding us down, it's worth it. It's worth going back. And that as we turn back to God, as we desire to taste his goodness, I believe God is faithful and that God will change our hearts, soften them so that we may be able to see him again. In, in, I get the sense that for a lot of us, you know, we've, we've had times in our lives where we've experienced and encountered God in amazing ways. That for a lot of us, whether it was in college or just out of college, we've had those moments where we've experienced and seen him work, do amazing things in our own lives and the lives of others. But for a lot of us now that we're in this place where it's, it's not happening anymore, that we just don't see God the way we used to. And so I just wanted to encourage us, for those of us that feel this way, that God is still there, that he still is good, that he's as good as he was when you first encountered him. And even he, might, he is even better than those days that we've encountered him, that there is better yet the days to come in his presence. So I just wanted to encourage us this morning as we think about, as we think about those days that God wants us to enter into his presence. And as we enter into his presence, we get that true taste of home. Let me pray for us. Father, we, um, we come before you and we just uh, ask that, that God, as, as, we, as we think about where we are at right now with you, God, I, I pray that you would soften our hearts. God, that you would soften the, the hardness that we have grown accustomed to, the hardness that we feel when, um, even when we come into this place. God, just sometimes going through the motions, just, you know, waiting for the service to just be done. God, may you help us to be present now with you, that you would give us the sense that you are near, God, because you are. And God, that you are there wanting to hold us, to bring us home to you. So God, may you do this work in our hearts right now. May we spend this time just sitting at your feet and enjoying your presence. 
thank you that you are a God who is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Father, Lord, help us to be still and know that you are Lord. Father, we trust that your spirit is moving even now. Even in the sometimes uncomfortable silences that we feel uh, during the day or in our lives, God, you are still at work, and we trust you. So God, may you this week help us to trust you even more. Help us trust you with our families, with our kids, with our work, with our lives. All of ourselves help us trust in you. So God, we ask this in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.